0: Welcome to Lifelong Crossing Borders. It's your co-hosts, Ganit and Cynthia. We hope you've been keeping well since we last left you. Cynthia, what do we have in store for our listeners this week?
1: This week, we'll be talking about coming on over to the UK and what to prepare, because fingers crossed, things will be open, including universities, so students will be able to come over. We're also going to be looking at the case of RC and JC. <laughs> Can will explain that. Yeah. And then I'll talk about Europe trying to limit AI technology. And as always, and as you know, we'll be wrapping up by checking in on each other. So let's get
0: into it. From me to you. Because we lived through it and now we get to share it. So if you're coming over to the UK...
1: Or maybe you're already in the UK, you know this. The date to know and the date to look out for is June 21st. It is the day when restrictions are all gonna be lifted, hopefully, fingers crossed. And with restrictions lifted, that means we'll be able to go back to school next year. And we thought we would give you guys a little insight as to what it means to come over to the UK and what you need to prepare. You are going to be looking to getting your visa sorted out. And I'm going to hand this over to Ganeet because she really dealt with getting a visa. I didn't. So how'd that go for you? Oh, you
0: know, you got my call crying about it. (laughs) I had an adventure. I thought it was worth sharing. (laughs) So when I started my process into getting my visa and all of that, I lost my passport. (laughs) I lost my citizenship certificate. Step one, know where your passport is at all times. Yeah. Pro tip, don't decide to do a, like a deep clean of your house before you have to apply for your visa and misplace your passport. Because that's kind of what happened to me. I had to... What do you mean that's kind
1: of what happened to you? That's literally what happened to you.
0: <laughs> it was not a pleasant couple of weeks when I was trying to deal with this. I... Didn't know when I would get my visa if I would get it. It was the end of July when I had my appointment, but know where your documents are. My process when it started out when regarding my visa was your school will give you a letter which will have all their information, what program you're going into. You need that, you need your passport, your proof of citizenship or PR residence, whatever your status is in your home country, and then. You go to your visa office and they take down your information, they take your letter they you have to show proof of funding as well if you're going to be paying for school yourself or if you're taking out a loan. I don't remember them asking too many questions about it, but that's also because I was self funded so I didn't have oh, to show they ask oh they ask questions if yeah. you have to do like if you have to show other means yeah so if you're if you're taking a bank loan. They sometimes ask questions like, okay, do you have the funds to go? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's because the country needs to know, do you have the funds to stay here? So during my visa meeting, they just took down all that information. They took down my documents, my passport size photos and all of that. And they took my biometric information. And then it got, all got sent to the UK. And they got back to me within a month. My visa came two weeks before my flight. Not even? Less than that? So that was an adventure. I would say just make sure you have all your documents in line. Get it done as soon as you can, probably. Yeah, talk to your school, ask them what they need to provide. Call your local visa office and see what they require. Bug them, email them, whatever needs to be done. Do it. They do charge you to apply, so make sure you're applying on the right websites and... You will, if you're coming to the UK, you are also going to have to pay the health surcharge. It covers your medical expenses here in the UK because here healthcare is free. Basic healthcare is free. And I'm sure a lot of students coming in from
1: Canada are going to have the same issues you had, which was getting into a visa office because of Uh COVID. And they're all closed probably right now. Because yeah. I know Ontario has the stay-at-home order. Mm-hmm. So that may be an issue. Yeah. You had to call into the visa office, didn't you?
0: I had to call into the visa office to get an appointment. Actually, the appointment was from their website. I was able to c- secure an appointment. Then the address that they have listed on their website, that building burned down a month before I went. So they had moved offices. So I had to like, run down like three blocks to figure out where this building was in Toronto. And then this guy wouldn't let me go upstairs because he's like, you don't have an appointment. And I'm like, excuse me, sir, I have an appointment. And I was ready to cry my way into that office. I was so ready for that. But I was able to call the office and they were able to buzz me upstairs.
1: Okay, so you've got your visa. And I know on your visa, you also
0: get a work permit in it. Yeah, so you'll be applying for the Tier 4 visa. It's a student visa. Within that, you get to work for 20 hours while you're in term. When you're not in term, you get to work 40 hours. And when you arrive in the UK, you get a BRP card. You usually either collect it from your school, which is something I would highly advise you do. It's a lot easier. Or you can collect it from your local post office. I didn't want to figure that out. So I just went with the school option. That BRP card is pretty much like your ID card. And also, your BRP card may or may not include your national insurance number, which is something you need if you're working in the UK. For Canadians, it's kind of like your SIN number. Look into that when you get all your information. If you don't have a national insurance number on your card, contact the government and apply for one. It makes things a lot easier. Well, you can't work without one. (laughs) No.
1: Get the national insurance number as soon as you can it's really easy you apply online and you hear back within a couple of weeks yeah usually there's no issue with it and from working i would jump right into sorting out your financials so be that student loans or getting a student line of credit from a bank i went with student loans because i love getting loans all the loans <laughs> um
0: <laughs> i don't even want to know what my loans sit at right now
1: for the student loans, all I would say is you will be dealing with the financial office of your university because they need to fill out a form to ensure that your school is in a designated program because it probably isn't going to be always listed on your specific um, student loan website. I know you take out loans from Ontario. I took out loans from BC. Yep. So it is a little bit different. Just make sure your school is on the list. If it's not, you can always get the financial office to fill out a form confirming the program that it exists and that you'll be attending. I would also say that double check what the financial office fills out in the form because these aren't forms that they see on a daily basis so they might not be used to it. I had a little issue where like a box wasn't filled in and that extended me getting my loans by almost a month Yeah. (laughs) and I was in such a panic because I was about to go into my... Repayment just doing this outside of Canada is a bit of a struggle because calling Canada can be quite difficult if you don't have your phone number sorted out for example, I call over <laughs> Google yeah, I call over Google because it's a little easier for me and instead of paying international fees sometimes there is that risk that they might cut me off when they're trying to transfer me to someone so they can't call me back so I would say sort out your student loans if you're getting student loans before you leave because it, it's really annoying calling Canada from abroad. I think that's kind of all you need to sort out before you go. You got your visa, mm-hmm. you got your financials. Oh, housing. You know, a house would be a good thing to find. You yeah, know, you don't want to live on the street. So housing. When you're coming into university, you obviously always have the choice of living on campus or living off campus. I know for us, we were given the option to live on campus. We had guaranteed housing if we chose yeah. that option. uh. But we both decided, no thank you. We did not want to live with
0: 18-year-olds again.
1: Yeah, solely because we have gone through the university first-year dorm life experience and didn't want to go through it again. We looked into getting off-campus housing. I got on this quite early because... I know how fun looking for a house can be after living in Vancouver and moving every single year of my <laughs> university experience. So I started, I would say, I think I started around this time last year, actually.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it was late March, April when you started looking. Yeah, I started looking. There's. I just had conditions of what I wanted and Cynthia did all the hard work of finding the place we live at right now
1: so when i started looking for a place for us to live i joined a bunch of facebook groups for student housing these also gave me an insight as to letting agencies that maybe weren't always the best or people to look out for since i've never been to brighton before and i didn't necessarily know what to look for i have lived in england before so i didn't know some names of letting agencies especially those that rented out to students so i was able to look on their sites uh, what helped me the most, though, was a website called Rents, S-T-U-R-E-N-T-S. Basically, it compiles a bunch of accommodation that is meant specifically for students, and it puts together all of those letting agencies, and you can kind of look around what's in the area, and you can obviously adjust filters to what works for you. We got very lucky that the first place we messaged instantly got back to us, and we were able to sort this out quite quickly, which I'm very grateful for. One of the things I will say that if you are looking to get an off-campus house, you most likely will need to have a guarantor. Yeah. This typically needs to be somebody who's in the country and working in the UK, or you can go through... An alternate route that Ganeet went through.
0: Yeah, I don't really know anyone who lives in the UK. So I went through this company called Housing Hand. You basically pay them a fee to act as your guarantor. They're really nice. Just email them. Tell them what your situation is. And they can tell you what they can do for you. And they can help guide you.
1: Yeah, and the final thing that kind of comes to my mind when it comes to coming here. You'll obviously have to set up a phone plan if you choose to. And we know a lot of students who have opted to simply just get a data plan because they're quite cheap. Instead of just getting a phone number as well and getting an entire plan. The beauty of moving over here from Canada is that you don't have to pay ridiculous
0: amounts of money for data. <laughs> I pay 10 pounds a month and I get like 10 gigs of data a month. I never use all of it. Yeah. Even if I keep my data on all the time. I've never once used it all.
1: Exactly. So you can always look into those options. And banking as well. Something you'll need to set up. Quite easy to do. Honestly, I don't think we've had any problems. I had my bank account though, set up here before. But
0: I was able to do it in a day. Not even. Yeah, you had a couple of things you had to get though. I had to get a letter from my letting agency so my landlord as a proof of address I had a letter from the school saying that I am a student here and just my passport my BRP card that's it I was able to go in and within an hour I had a bank account set up they gave me my ATM card right away it was super cool super easy
1: one thing I totally forgot, which just popped into my head when she was talking about getting a letter for proof of address, I just remembered for housing, when you're letting a place off campus, make sure you look into whether or not your letting agency it has included the council tax fee and the licensing fee into your payment, because those are two things you want to look into. So the license, so the TV licensing fee is basically so that you can watch TV in your house and on your computer, and then the council tax fee is pretty much just house tax. House tax. There is a um, I
0: don't want to say students. Students are exempt. Students are exempt from paying the council tax.
1: Yeah, I think for if you can show that you attend school for certain amounts of the year, you can be exempt. You do have to apply for this. Yeah. It's all listed on the council website, so would look into that.
0: I think that's kind of it. Yeah, that's all
1: the stuff you have to look out for. So we've kind of covered what we've thought about when we were coming over to the UK, what you kind of need to prepare. Mm-hmm. But if there's anything you are curious about or would like to know, feel free to send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. Case is shaping our system. This is how we guide you through it.
0: Talk me through RC and JC. Okay, so I stumbled upon this case as I was reading this article, which talked about all the cases that have gone unappreciated in the legal world because of the COVID pandemic. And COVID has completely overshadowed every other news. So in this case... A Cambridge-educated solicitor received a £400,000 payout as a part of her divorce. And it just caught my eye, because that's a big amount. It's not a typical amount, is it? No, it's not. And as I read more about it, basically, in family law, when you're looking at divorce, House of Lords has established in previous cases, such as Miller & Miller and in McFarlane & McFarlane, that there are... Three strands to guide a court in dividing assets following divorce, which are needs, compensation, and sharing. Most of the time, needs and sharing have become the cornerstones of the law when it comes to the financial remedies. And compensation has just kind of taken a back seat. And this is where RC and JC kind of flipped it, where compensation became one of the bigger aspects in deciding how the financial assets would be divided in this divorce, so this
1: four hundred thousand does not include any other assets like houses oh, or no, stuff. no
0: she walked away with fifty four percent in total, which when in light when you look at it from what I've read in the news and in the different articles, is a lot closer to the, what the husband proposed initially for him to get for him to give her it's fifty four percent is closer to that number than it is than what she wanted. What did she want? It was not specified. <laughs> because this was a very, this was a closed case. It wasn't published. One of the reasons why she was able to get that is because so this compensation is to compensate her for the that loss of time. But wasn't it her decision to quit? It was her decision to quit, but she also didn't realize Re- that she would get divorced one day. But that's the thing. Justice Moore has also made it very clear that this this case does set precedent in one way where if you're asking for the compensation, you can present this argument, but you have to be very careful you have to make sure that you show that the person genuinely gave up something that would become something big you know she was a trainee and her husband was a associate when they met. And before she left, she had made enough connections and like set her foundation enough for her career that it would have been on that on that trajectory.
1: But you can't 100% say that she like she would have been successful.
0: What factors in this case were they looking at? They were looking at the fact that if she had not left her job to take care of the kids, she would have had this career. But how do they know that? They don't because it's a closed case. They don't necessarily provide the evidence that they presented. Fair enough. But Justice Moore looked at the precedents and like how compensation has been described, and in the past, I think it was in Miller and in the Miller case and the McFarland case, where compensation was debated. And Lady Hale described compensation as applying where one party has sustained a relationship-generated economic disadvantage and the other having benefited from the circumstances giving rise to that disadvantage. So she left her career to take care of the kids, so the husband didn't have to worry about all of that. So that's where compensation comes in. He benefited from her staying home, but she was at kind of a disadvantage when it came to her career. I'm just wondering, so many
1: people will be keen to use this argument. Oh, definitely. So I'm just wondering, because they said, be careful with how you use it. So, like, what facts have to be present
0: for another case going forward to be successful? So this is right from the article, which was written by Richard Kershaw, who is a partner at Hunter's Law LLP. He stated that this judgment comes with a warning that cases where there has been a relationship generated at disadvantage, there has to be an exceptional reasoning for compensation and that litigants should think long and hard before they launch this claim. So this case sets up exceptional cases where there is a right to compensation, which can be that there's a strong evidence to support the existence of the relationship generated disadvantage, resulting from the wife giving up an established career for the benefit of the family. There have to be sufficient assets to do more than meet the party's needs. The fruits of the husband's career are not so great that the wife's needs or sharing, reward, uh, sharing the award will put her in a better financial position than she would have been had her career continued. It's a very what-if situation. Yeah, it's which always going
1: to be based on the fact. Yeah. That I fully understand. And I, it has to be that way. Otherwise, yeah. like I said, everyone's going to want to try to use this argument.
0: Mm-hmm. So they have to establish it.
1: I mean, fair enough. Because I'm thinking, if this was me, and I gave up my career for someone, and I was doing well in my career, and I went through university, I did yeah. a paralegal course, I did law school. A lot of my time and effort went into that. And for if I have an established career and I just gave it all away for like you know to raise my family, okay, cool. But then
0: I got divorced. Yeah, fair enough. I'd be pissed. Yeah. Well, like also, we don't know what circumstances they're getting divorced under. So you don't know if it's just differences or if. He did something or she did something. I'm not sure do you think that's important? I would take that into consideration that i see that's where i like I like, feel like
1: personal biases would come in though if like let's say, oh, he did something to initiate he's the reason that's, for the divorce that's what, but that's the thing judges can't look at that. judges have to step back and be like, well, we're not looking as to the reasoning of your door divorce yeah. right you just want to get divorced, okay, let's look at what's fair and just for you both to get they can't look at like who started over, what got the divorce, like, judges need to step back and be unbiased. They can't look to the reasoning of it. Yeah. Unless it's, like, something absolutely unjust. But if it's simple, like... Honestly,
0: I I also am very confident in saying this, that I will never give up my career for anyone. I have worked too hard for it. I am very sorry to... I totally my future respect, family, i I totally
1: sorry. respect people who do that. I totally yeah. understand, fair enough, if you want to choose. And that's my other thing, though. If you want to choose, though, your family over mm-hmm. your career, you have made that choice.
0: You give up your career and you make that choice thinking this is going to be the rest of your life, that this is my happily ever after. You don't envision it ending. You think this is, this is it. This is where my time and effort is going. When that ends, in divorce then you're like, oh, wow, I gave up all of this. Then you do want it back. But surely she could just go get a job as a solicitor. Yes, but she would have to start. She probably is going to. I wouldn't just... That's what I'm saying. So technically, she'll be fine and she would probably still get her career. Yeah, but she'd still have to start at the same point that she left off at. She wouldn't be able to just walk in and be a partner somewhere where she would be if she had continued working, if she hadn't given up her career. No, also
1: I'm curious how long they were married for because how long was, like, this disadvantage then? Yeah. If it was two it wasn't years clarified. or it's five years. Because that, to me, would make a difference, I feel. If it had been, okay, let's say 15 years down the line, mm-hmm. fair enough. But yeah. if it's two well, years, they have, they have, they that's have two different. Kids,
0: they have two kids together. You can have kids quickly. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I want to say there has to be, like, they have to be have to have been married for more than five, at least. I think so.
1: That, to me, would be actually a big factor,
0: I think, in the judgment. Yeah. Which I don't know if you were able to read or not. I wasn't able to read all of that because I couldn't find it. One thing that was highlighted in the article that I was reading was that Justice Moore came to the figure of £400,000 as the appropriate compensation to be paid in addition to the half share of assets that she's getting. And he commented that this would be portrayed as an additional 100,000 pounds per annum for the likely remainder of the husband's likely time at the firm. So as, su- as long as so he's working... So it's like alimony, f- kind of. Yeah, he's paying, he's paying for the rest of the time he's working at that firm. But I'm also like, the day he stops work, would he just stop working at that firm? What if he just goes somewhere else? He's established. He could just get a job somewhere else. He could get out of paying that. Okay. I found the case and I'm going to read it later.
1: But what else?
0: (laughs) That's about it. It just kind of... I think the reason it spiked my interest is because it's been drilled into my head so much. Don't give up your career for anyone or anything. Wow, this woman gave up her career and she was able to get this out of her divorce.
1: Okay. So from what I'm getting here is... You get a good, ch- if you had a good shot, like, it's not a 100% a guarantee, but you had a good enough shot at having a career, then there's that chance.
0: Yes. And no. It was established in this case that she did have that shot. It was very well established. So where's the no? But That you would have to prove it everywhere else, like. What do you mean? It's not just oh if you just have one shot like you have to really establish it
1: no that's what i'm saying like i was saying how like it's not 100 percent guaranteed that you were going to be successful but you had to show that at least you had a chance mm-hmm. that's okay. all you have yeah. to do
0: yeah and that's the thing it's not always going to work because i do still believe that when cases are decided in divorce proceedings they are going to look at sh- what you share and what you need first, before it comes to compensation. I don't think that's going to change. But when it does get to that point, if it, that, if it gets to that point of compensation, this case will play a big role in the future. Maybe not in the near future, but in the future. In a time far, far away. <laughs> Are you commercially aware? Well, we're definitely one step closer. Do you want to talk to us about how Europe is limiting AI technology?
1: I don't know. Do I? <laughs> Do I want to? You tell me.
0: Well, you you have the choice. If you you ask the question. If you don't want to, we can just sit here in silence, add some music, just <laughs> gloss over to the next one. Okay, sounds good.
1: <laughs> All right. I'll be talking about Europe trying to limit AI technology. There was a white paper, which is essentially a report released by the European Commission last year about artificial intelligence, on how they want to handle the situation. Essentially, they're looking to distinguish between high and low-risk AI systems, and they want to implement some rules about these high-risk AI systems. High risk systems would be face recognition software that is used for surveillance or systems using algorithms that may manipulate human behavior, opinions, or decisions. They're also looking at systems that are used for indiscriminate surveillance. Some of these examples of systems could be those that evaluate credit worthiness that look at individual risk assessment for crime predicting algorithms so essentially systems that we use kind of on a daily
0: basis this sounds very much like black mirror to me
1: see reading this i was thinking very much irobot and i'll tell you why because <laughs> this whole idea about limiting a, i ai technology they have this whole idea that in order for us to really use ai technology we have to trust ai technology well yeah but in the sense of trustworthiness and like we do
0: we really trust these machines to do everything for us see i think of black mirror because all of the because technology guessing human behavior and how humans are going to act like the predictability mm-hmm. and stuff that's literally the basis of any technology based black mirror episode
1: this proposal for these systems, it's going to be a balancing act between obviously the dangers of AI and all the benefits we have. Mm -hmm. The European commission is talking about how for these high risk AI systems, member states would have to implement these assessment bodies in order to certify, test them and inspect these systems to see if they actually are high risk. Also, there are certain bodies, public bodies, which are exempt from these rules, which use AI technology probably okay, the most. Okay, who's, ex- who's exempt from it? The military's exempt. Oh, wow. And authorities for public security. I was looking to see what specifically that meant, and yeah. I couldn't find anything, but to me, that's a very broad scope as to... Who could be an authority for public security? Naturally, you go to, like, the
0: police. Police, yeah. And, like, intelligence agencies. Yeah, I'm thinking Mission Impossible. (laughs) My head's going to all the spies. Fair enough. The Kingsmen, bring them all out. Fair enough. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. This all just sounds like a movie to me. And I always forget that this technology actually exists. I sure
1: think AI is going to come... Alive. And another reason why I think this is when I was reading their proposal, the white paper, Mm -hmm. it was saying how there's this, there's gonna, they wanna
0: have this new requirement that all high risk systems have a kill switch. Anything with a kill switch belongs in either a James Bond movie or a Mission Impossible movie. But the fact that you need a
1: kill switch in the first place, should that not raise enough questions to be like, "Mm, maybe we shouldn't be doing this? Maybe we shouldn't be implementing this type of system? I know there's tons of benefits to AI. Yeah, there's a lot. But, I kill switch. <laughs> also, this another requirement that they're looking at is ensuring that all AI systems have human oversight. Which made me think, what AI system at this current moment does not have human oversight? Yeah.
0: Like, one of the basic things I think of when I think of AI is Tesla's auto drive feature.
1: Yes, that was something that actually came up.
0: Because... Yes, you can put your car, your Tesla, on auto drive, but you're still sitting behind the wheel. Auto I would drive? never pay extra for that feature because I like driving. Why do you want to sit in a car if you don't want to drive it?
1: For me, auto drive it just freaks me out because you're putting that... You're, you're trusting an yeah. AI
0: to completely Exactly. It can malfunction.
1: You. Exactly. There's... And it's on the
0: road. And I've always been told cars are a killing machine. Something goes wrong. You make a mistake behind the wheel, you could kill someone.
1: What if there is that accident, that 1% that something slips up or... Exactly. Malfunction.
0: Mm-hmm. There's... Th- I think that's where I draw the line with AI is, like, this is, for me, taking it a little too far. You brought up, like, credit score companies. And I came across a tweet a couple of days ago, which just kind of stuck with me. It's like, how can a credit score... How can an artificial intelligence calculate my trustworthiness to own a house, to be able to pay back certain things when you don't know me? But it knows everything else about you. Yeah, but... It doesn't know you personally. It doesn't know
1: what your tendencies are. But that's the thing. These systems will look at what your vulnerabilities are, and that's kind of what they focus on. But that's one of the things that they're trying to possibly prevent is anything that could be like discriminatory discriminatory
0: yeah see I think credit score companies are very discriminatory against students I think that's a very different issue <laughs> I think that's a different issue
1: because when I was looking into this they were talking about ethical issues bringing a high mm-hmm. concern and one of the topics that kept coming up and you had mentioned this to me before was this whole concept of deep fake. yeah And which is essentially you can place any person
0: anywhere
1: anywhere in the world and make them say anything or do anything Mm -hmm. when it's not actually that person. Yeah. Which is completely AI technology, right? That is scary. It's a terrifying concept, but they are talking about how companies will have to tell the government essentially that this is what they're doing.
0: How far are they going to breach your privacy? and what's coming to my head is when it comes to criminal behavior them being able to predict it ai being able to predict it if say the police have access to such technology mhm are those few bad apples going to use it to further justify their actions when they when they shoot someone or they kill, like end up killing someone that oh based on this ai technology it was this percent predictable that this person would commit a crime so we just eliminated the threat this came up in captain america civil war civil civil war where Hydra. Oh, please
1: show your knowledge of marvel
0: <laughs> it was yeah i'm pretty sure it was civil war or winter soldier where hydra had the technology to uh they knew who was going to turn into a superhero. They had it. <laughs> the ability to predict. <laughs> who was going to be a superhero. Or a threat to Hydra.
1: It definitely will be interesting to see how and if this legislation will be implemented. Because this is so far only in a proposal. So it could be actually years oh. before this becomes law. And if it does, this will definitely change how people start creating AI technology yeah. and how it can be used because people may be looking for those loopholes so that they're yeah. not placed as a high-risk AI system, right? But they can still do everything else that they need to do. Or that they want to do. Mm-hmm. And right now, one of the proposals, I believe, is that companies that develop anything which is prohibited um, or if they fail to provide information, they could face fines of up to 4% of that company's global revenue. Wow. Personally, I think it's a little low. It's very low. Because you're going to gain all of this information. And even though, you know, you can get rid of that information, but it's always in the back of your mind. Yeah.
0: How do you, how can do you make sure it's, you've gotten rid of it? I'm not sure.
1: This is really interesting to me because it goes back to that whole idea of we need to trust AI and let it do what it can do and use the benefits for ourselves but it's really about balancing AI and I think it was interesting to me when I was reading the white paper on it where the European commission said that AI has to reflect those European values and fundamental rights of human dignity and privacy protection so I'm interested to see how their proposal changes over the next coming years Mm -hmm. and whether or not it'll become a bit stricter this is really interesting I just for me it's crazy that this all relies on trust
0: trusting technology
1: but how can I yeah how can you trust technology everything can be hacked into and that's what gets me
0: that's where black mirror just like comes in front of me where I'm like this can happen
1: are you doing but really
0: how you doing how are you doing I'm okay I'm good (laughs) classic response I have nothing to say I've been outside pretty much the entire week which has been very nice we went to the library twice and I never thought I'd be excited to go to the library to study we went putt-putt or as many people call it, mini golf. I'm very
1: disappointed that people don't call it putt putt. I call it putt putt because it's putt putt. It's funny, putt putt. It's really fun. I highly recommend if you ever get the chance to go putt putting.
0: I'm really bad at it. But for the first time playing, what game, makes I was you really say good. you're bad at it? Everyone that we were playing with, I was the last. Every time I was just the last person, I scored the lowest.
1: Well, actually, you scold, scored the most. That's how you lose.
0: I'm just bad, okay?
1: <laughs> Hand-eye coordination is not what it used to be, folks.
0: It never was there. It still isn't there. I did get one hole-in-one when everyone else str- struggled on that hole. I was really happy. I got a hole-in-one on that hole. <laughs> not in that one. Yes, I did. Not in that one. You yeah. got it on a different one. No, it was that one. <laughs> never mind.
1: Sorry to take it away from you. <laughs>
0: right. Fraser didn't get it. So there.
1: No, he struggled.
0: What else? I found out today that Canada is going into another stay-at-home order and with stricter restrictions and their cases are through the roof. Which means I will probably not be able to go home for the summer at all. That sucks. Yeah, I'm not excited. I miss my dog. <laughs> But on a brighter
1: note, we were able to go out finally on Thursday for dinner. Yeah. Which was really good as the restaurants outdoors are open following restrictions as always because we're good. Goody two shoes. We've been patient. I think we just don't want to break the rules because like we don't want to ruin the party for everyone. (laughs) Yeah.
0: We've been good. We also want to be able to like go out and do stuff. And we want to be safe while we're doing it. I don't think either one of us wants to get sick.
1: Not on my agenda of things to do. No. Overall, this has been a good week. (gasps) I got a surprise box post. I got a surprise post the other day. My sister sent me chocolate and that made me really happy. So I know she's going to listen to this. So thanks again. (laughs) I haven't had it. I'm sure I'll have it by the time you hear this. And I'm sure it's going to be really, really good. And that's just kind of where I'm at with my life right now is I'm just very grateful for the very small things. But it's good. Yeah. I think this has just been a very chill week for the both of us. So we don't really have much that we've been, I guess, thinking about or pondering. This week just has been a very calm and relaxing week. And
0: I did have a really good find, which I'm very proud of. We went to this old antique shop. I think that's what you would call it.
1: It was basically a thrift store for your entire house. It has just a bunch of secondhand goods of everything you may possibly need slash don't actually need in your house. It's one of my new favorite stores, I think, in Brighton. It's just filled with loads and loads of random things.
0: Yeah. I found a housewarming present for one of my friends that I've been showing off to everyone except for him. Because of obvious reasons, I want it to be a surprise. And I'm just really excited. It's, it's a very unique present, and it's very well-fitted for the person that it's for. Do you want to say what it is? or You're just no. going to leave everyone suspended? I don't, if, I don't know if he's going to listen to it, so...
1: Thanks for mentioning it. I'm sure everyone <laughs> loves that.
0: The day I give it to him or tell him what it is, I will tell everyone what it is. I I don't know if he listens to this or not. You better be. Otherwise he's <laughs> not getting the
1: present. <laughs> Anyhow, I think we're just rambling on at this point because we've just been very relaxed this week and things have been good and we're keeping on track. We start classes again next week for only a week, so that'll be just kind of a nice refresher before our exams start. But on that note, I guess I just want to say thanks for sticking around for yet another episode.
0: We hope this has been fun for you. Because it's been fun for us. <laughs> Cynthia hates when I say stuff like this. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. Just so... If, to me, it's so cringy. But <laughs> if it floats your boat, it floats your boat, guys. Honestly, I just hope you were getting interesting stuff that you think you can talk about with other people. Or stuff that you maybe didn't come across the news that kind of was interesting to you because honestly when I was trying to find a news story the past week I didn't really find too much of that in- interested in me until the last 48 hours where I found that AI story. <laughs> so you never know what's going to come around the corner tomorrow.
0: Yeah. But I found the case yesterday.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, on that note, if you want to get in touch with us, as always, with any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to reach out to us at our email, lcbpodcast at gmail.com. Side note, we're still figuring out the Instagram. I know. Details T be released soon.
0: We'll figure it out eventually.
1: Yeah. So till next time. Bye guys. Bye. <laughs>